Welcome to the Eventful Entrepreneur. My name's Dodge. I've been an entrepreneur for over 30 years and thrown thousands of parties across the UK. And I'm also the owner of the Bournemouth Sevens Festival. Everyone who knows me knows I love people, having a laugh <laughs> and asking lots of questions. So I've been chatting to people with one thing in common. They've all lived eventful lives. This week I'm delving into the eventful life of Liam Norval. Known as the posh Cockney, Liam spent over a decade creating parties for the rich and famous in London. As director of marketing for the world-renowned Café de Paris, he became a trusted connection for many celebrities looking for a good time in the heart of London itself. We chat about the forever-changing nightclub scene, working for one of the most exclusive venues in the world, and how to stay relevant in a crowded market. This guy's got a lot of stories to tell. If you want to hear more like this, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you want to get in contact with me personally, you can get me on Instagram at Dodge Woodall. I try to reply to every message possible. Here he is, the posh Cockney, the man himself, Mr. Liam Norval. Liam, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries at all, mate. This is, uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's going to be a very events industry-led one. So let's go all the way back to the beginning. How did you first get into events? Well, I mean, um, let's go right back to the beginning. Yeah. So uh, 16 years old, I was a teenage sensation within the football game. Um, I was at West Ham and Leicester City and, you know, I was only going to be a professional football player. That was that was it. That was all I was going to do. And, you know, I, uh, I had to retire at 19, which then I was stuck. What, what do I do then? But I had a passion for music at that point um, and I learned to... I learned to um, DJ with my best friend Will uh, in his uh, in Loughborough University of all places, really? and uh, and I loved the I loved the thought of going to Ibiza. Mm. You know, I thought <laughs> if I'm going to be a DJ, I need to go to Ibiza uh, and and just experience you know what everyone else wants to experience at that age. Um, a cut long story short, we managed to, to to smash it as young DJs playing for Head Candy all over, you know, creating our own brands like Twisted Glam and Emergency Room and working very closely with Posh Funk. Then we went and did some two years in Ibiza, which was amazing. We I think we put on about 12 events. Um, but I realized that I loved the event side of it, putting on the parties more than actually being in the booth. You know what I'm saying? We're just yeah. talking about being, uh, you know, seeing the event from that DJ booth was great, but I love the operation. I love the fact of being on the door and seeing these people coming through and, you know, sharing the experience. My dream, what I put on for that mm. event. Uh, so it's, you know, 22, 23, I came back to um, London and and was working for Nick House. And you must know who Nick know House Nick. is. You know, Nick was the the, the god of London promoters at, at, during that time. What, what year are we talking here with Nick? I remember Nick well, in fact. He was... Uh... London parties, was it? London parties, That's yeah. That's right. So I came at that. I mean, the team there was incredible. And if you think about all the people that worked for Nick, pa Nick House at that point, they've all gone on now to be sort of um, MDs of big business in within hospitality in yeah. London. You know, you've got some people at some great, uh, Ross Slade, Sarah Hyde, uh, Mike Muscat, Hugo, uh, you know, there's some big names within London hospitality right now. Yeah. Ollie Horner, Ollie Horner, of course. Yeah. yeah, you know he's doing well, isn't he, yeah. Ollie? Yeah, he owns what he's part. He's a shareholder in Hippies. Hip, yeah, the 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 chips, the pea chips. That's whatever. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. lad, Ollie. There's yeah. some great people yeah. there. Honestly, you know Patrick Drake was there as well. Mm. You know the founder of Hello Fresh. Mm. You know that. Oh, you got some great minds yeah. that all come together. So I was there for two years. Um, one of my 
one of my big accounts was Cafe de Paris. So I, I literally rose through the ranks pretty quickly at Nick House. So um, when you so when you say one of your accounts, what do you mean by that? So let me tell you how it works. So um, as an account manager uh, at Nick House, you'd look after, say, four or five nightclubs. And you'd have two or three events on a week at those nightclubs. Yeah. Um, so I would have Taman Gang, Mbaba, um, Studio Val Bon, uh, Bond, Café de Paris, as well as two or three others, wow. roof gardens. And so, that you know, at that time, you it, you were pumped. Yeah. You was at every top club in London. You was running them. You had all the girls. You had the, all the guys <laughs> wanted to be your best mate. So yeah, it was, mate. you know, at that age, you're... You're loving life, yeah. right? You're loving yeah, life. Yeah. And Cafe de Paris is one of my key. I love key. Cafe de Paris, by oh, the way. Don't we all? I oh, mean, my God. What a venue. I mean, I was very, very blessed to be there for 10 years. Were you there um, for 10, 10 years, years, were you? I was I was sales and marketing director for, for eight years uh, once I've moved on from promotional director. And they were the best 10 years of my life for many, many reasons. Wow. Um, I think I put on over 3,000 events during that time, yeah. you know, four events a week. Um two corporate, two club every single week. And again, the lifestyle was incredible, but we were just talking as well off air. It takes a toll on you after a while, course, you know? Yeah, so, um, yeah. you know, it was 10 incredible years doing events for Prince, Elton John, Kylie Minogue, Bruno Mars, Rita Ora, you know, these Twitter, Facebook, all these sort of incredible brands yeah. and, and and people putting events on at Café de Paris. Café de Paris was the oldest venue in London, yeah. apart from the women, 96 years old. Um, unfortunately, it's just been it's just gone under uh, with COVID. There was other things in place why it went yeah. under, but you know it's just gone. And, and Leo at Pasha have now taken that. Have Leo and Pasha Le have taken it? Pasha have got Cafe de Paris oh, now. Oh wow, I didn't know that. So, but that's a good thing because that venue needed someone like yeah, that to, to come pump, in uh, and some good investment. I guess. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so Cafe's gone, which is a massive shame. We've all had great parties so there. Just, just explain to me, just so the listeners, I've partied many a time at Cafe yeah. de Paris, but just explain to the listeners what Cafe de Paris experience was like where it was in london and when you went in there what would you see and feel okay i'm going to take you on a journey yeah, now. yeah. so so cafe de paris is in coventry street in piccadilly um so as you go through these these sort of gold shimmery doors um on coventry street you walk down these this first staircase and you're met with these glitter balls and these big mirrors and you know you're in for a, a night of naughtiness yeah. and mystique and cabaret and and you know it, a place of wonder you know the the queen you know prince anne, princess anne used to party there all yeah. royalty all you know all the gangsters yeah. the cray the cray twins everyone this yeah. was their place yeah. this was the hub where they would party so you'd come down then you'd go through you'd walk up to the 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 first mezzanine level and then you'd be walked out and you'd see these two grand staircases and this huge almost like a shimmery floor the weather mm. you know there, there was very there's hardly any dance floors left in London. If you think yeah. of any clubs now, this was the last place yeah. where you could come and party. Mm. You know, you'd have this mezzanine with the VIP tables. The DJ would be on the top mezzanine looking down over the crowd. You know, when you'd have a thousand people in there, which we had regularly yeah. um, during my time, thankfully, um, there was nothing like it in terms of atmosphere. Mm. You know, you had the bottles of Grey Goose and the champagne popping on the top. And then you had the thousand people dancing on the, yeah. on, on the dance floor. You know, it was a place of wonder. Mm. And I would look over that balcony many times thinking, wow, I've done a good job here. Yeah. The team have done a great job here. And um, I was saying to the guys that my final event there um, was actually a New Year's Eve. What year? So 2018. Okay. So 2018 was New Year's Eve, my final event. And I remember looking over there, I was with my wife and 
uh, for my friends and I looked over and just as I'd done the countdown at midnight, you know, the confetti's in the air, everyone's going crazy, hugging and kissing. And I knew then that had to be my last event because it was so good. Yeah. I had to make that my last one and move on because, you know, sometimes you think I've, I've, hit, I've reached a peak. I did not want it to go downhill. You know, I just wanted to be remembered for a really, really good party, mm. which it was. And, mm. um, you know, 10 years done there and I moved on to, an, to another chapter. Mm. So just going back there, that 2008 to 2018, how did you see the nightclub world change? Great question. And so when I started at Nick House, you know, it was very much um, venue. If you wanted to go out, you would email the the venue and that would be you'd be so excited to get on that guest list through the club. And the club would have like a 2000 people on their guest list. Yeah. Then what you found was the transition of the, the promoter or, or the the iPhone promoter or the Android promoter, you know, anyone with a phone or an Instagram or a Facebook account that wasn't, I think Facebook was just starting. 2008. Started, yeah, yeah. Just starting. So, um, but social media started taking, you know, that, that was so strong within the promoter game that the clubs lost control. Yeah. So anyone with a mobile phone or a social media account became a promoter, which meant that fees and rates started going up and up and up. Com clubs then got competitive and started offering, you know, 200 pounds for, 10 girls to come in their club and a, wow. two bottles of vodka and it's not a sustainable model yeah um so when you're a club like cafe de paris that had to fill it four times more than say a club that was 200 capacity around yeah. the corner you had to still compete with the fees and you want still wanted to have that uh the crowd to be as great as that your the, the venue down the road you know you say compete with the fees what do you mean by that so for example um a promoter before covid would have got, say, for example, £15 for a paying guest. So if, if a guest pays £20 to get in, the promoter gets £15, the club keeps five. Yep. Complimentary ladies yep. would also be paid to the promoter at a rate of £10 to £15 each. What, so any any freebie that comes in, the promoter still gets a tenner? Tenner or £15, pound, depending wow. on, and this is up to, you know, each venue is different, depending on the quality of the, of the crowd. Take that as you will. <laughs> um, and then on the back of that, they will also get a bonus for hitting 20 people or 25 people or sometimes if the club's really desperate 10 people you know so you imagine before you've even uh, gone through the door a, a, a venue will have paid out maybe four five hundred pounds for 10 15 people right for the, before you know, they even bought a drink before they even bought a drink yeah. so that is not that model is not sustainable no, 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 so no. when we go back to a new world of club land after covid i think that will all change yeah. there will not be as many promoters like that peak uh, customers will want to actually go back to the old way of just getting on the guest list at the club and just wanting to be in the venue and just enjoying it instead of mm. having to, you know, be on a table and throwing as much vodka down their yeah. throat as possible. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it's actually refreshed the industry a little it bit, which, which, it, which is it needed. Yeah. I definitely think it yeah. needed it. Those rates will have gone away and yeah. clubs will have found a new way to operate. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing, actually, mm. what's happened. Mm. Um and yeah, there's lots of my friends in Clubland now that are excited for the future, yeah. for sure. I think the, I think the events industry's got a huge future. Oh yeah. Oh, after this COVID, what everyone's gone through, I think the events industry is going to absolutely boom. Well, we've seen it. Yeah, we've seen the amount of tickets that have been sold for festivals and events. We've never seen anything like it. Well, I mean, I, I keep up to date with you as well for the Bournemouth Sevens, and mm. and that you know, I, I see lots of my friends that have just been able to. They've done so many good things throughout COVID in the past year. Um, and it's thankfully that lots of good stuff's happened for you now. S sell out t uh, tours and sell out festivals, mm -hmm. as you touched on there. Um, but from Posh Cockney's side, my business now, you know, 
we are getting lots and lots of inquiries. But I don't know about you, is people are are not paying the deposits as quickly as they were before. I think they're still a little bit nervous yeah. um, whether things will happen or get cancelled and they don't want to go through that aggro. It's a little bit when you're booking a holiday at the moment, yeah. people are still a little bit cautious. Yeah, uh, but, you know, it's fantastic to see mm. you know, the festivals this year mm. sold out. Um, you know, events is going to be, it's going to come back with a huge boom, huge. 100%. Absolutely. Let's just roll back to your your, your, your time at Nick House and the 10 years at Café Le Pre. What was your day-to-day my day to day at Nick House is very interesting. I mean, you, you you'd always have Mondays off. That was always a good day because uh, you've been partying all yeah. weekend, to, yeah. and you probably got in three or four hours before. Um, and then you know, you, the, I remember the looking back and walking into that office and seeing oh, oh, the the culture. The, the the you'd come in at sort of eleven o'clock and you'd have your team meetings and you'd go and meet the the venue managers and. You know, you'd be planning things which were like basically your own party because everything that you did was basically your own idea and obviously the client had to buy into it. But, you know, you'd be meeting with sort of drink suppliers, Bacardi, um, Grey Goose or, you know, Moe and just putting on, you know, I, I want 500 to 1,000 pounds to do this. Yeah. And they'd go, okay, let's do it. Yeah. You know, you, it was like, you were like a kid in a sweet shop. Yeah. You know, you had, you was working at the best promotion company in, in in probably, I can't think of anyone in the world that was no, at that time. No, I was just about to say, if yeah. you're in central London yeah. with the best promoter, that'd be the best promoter in the world. Yeah, it was like an academy. Yeah. That's how we'd always talk about it. It was yeah. like an academy for people within hospitality mm. and, and clubland at the time. So, you know, you'd be putting on these events, you'd be, you know, at the time there was there wasn't that much competition. You know, there was a couple of other agencies popping around, but nobody could have anything on us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, on a Monday, Monday, I'd be at Bougie's. On Tuesday, it would be Funky Buddha. On Wednesday, it would be um, Umbaba. And then, you know, Thursday would be uh, China White or something like that. Yeah. The whole week was taken up. And you'd go and support your other account managers because yeah. it was that sort of community and family vibe. Yeah. So um, to it was it was rave um, and and uh, have a little bit of sleep and get back in the office. Yeah. But cause you, because what you were doing, you were so passionate about putting on great events and yeah. there was also there was com- competition within that uh, company you wanted to be the best in the, yeah. in the room so you was always pushing each other um it was just a great time yeah. it was a fantastic time dodge and uh, uh, and what was your and what was the actual business model was the business model for you guys to get as many people through the doors on a guest list so you get your cut you get your 10 15 quid a man no so not uh, nick didn't have a deal like that okay. nick nick would be sort of the in-house promotion team so say for example cafe de paris wouldn't have a marketing or promotion team so they would hire nick nick house nick house entertainment to run their friday and saturday nights right um, and and obviously the goal was to to fill it that was the, that was the thing you fill it with good people good yeah. spenders yeah. and then you know the the relationship will will stay on mm. and you know, clubs. Any club that opened at that time were knocking on Nick's door and yeah. speaking to us because they knew they had we had they he had the best pool of promoters at that time. And the database of people wanting to get, find out who Nick House was so they can get on his guest list. Absolutely, I think he had a quarter of a million um, people on his database yeah. at that time. Kensington Roof Gardens was one is one of one of his other key accounts, and you can imagine Kensington Ca- Roof Gardens, yeah, lovely. Kensington Roof Gardens and Cafe de Paris, the two biggest clubs at that time, yeah, um, within that West End scene were his clients so you know you can imagine you know we had the best database of yeah. people wherever they wanted to go if you want if you called up saying i want to party tonight we had that for you and, yeah. and we would make sure that they had a had a great time yeah absolutely i remember the days that celebrities would be phoning up and say please get me in this club tonight i've just finished a concert i've just finished something else can you get me in 
who would they go to? They'd go to yourselves. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I used to, I used to enjoy um, a, mi- a midnight call from um, somebody at the O2 or, or at Wembley Arena saying, uh, "By the way, I know you're sold out, but I need five tables tonight." Um, <laughs> and that would happen regularly from certain R and B artists or, or footballers or whatever it may be. Yeah. And you'd always have to try and make it work because yeah. you know that next time they go out, they you want them to call you all yeah. the time. So the one time you say you can't do it. Yeah is when you lose that as a contact yeah. and you need to be the person that makes it happen. Uh, you know that, you know, Absolutely. when when VIPs or um, somebody of influence mm. needs a table or, mm. you know, a booking of some kind or that, or even to get in 10 of their piss mates, which happened so many times. <laughs> I mean, that was the worst. The worst part of the job was actually dealing with the drunk and drunk people outside. Yeah. If I, if I, I'd go, I'd do it again tomorrow if I didn't have that aggro. Yeah. Um, I think I, th- I threw you out a few times. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut that bit. <laughs> so what, uh, what did you what did you find with the whole drinking scenario back then? And then it went really table service. It went like massive to the bottles of vodka, to the, the champagne. Did that really improve the nightclub experience, do you think, in your eyes? I personally love a VIP table for just the way how I like to enjoy a nightclub. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to be standing in the middle of the dance floor raving all night. I've seen your moves. Yeah, I know. It's, it's best <laughs> not to see them. Um, but I think table service is 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 a great thing. It's very Vegas. I think yeah. Las Vegas is the best part, you know, best area in the world for, for clubbing yeah. um, because they, they do it right yeah, and their service is perfect. Yeah. So table service is great in America, and I think we we do well here. Um, and it did change the the scope for how how people would club now, and that, and they all want to be seen on these tables. You know, when I was at Cafe de Paris, we created something um, where it was the it was when reality TV start reality TV started to yeah. to happen. So I remember I I did every birthday party for anyone that was on um, Towie on Made in Chelsea or Love Island. Yeah. They came to you know it was the it was the hub for reality TV. I'm not saying that I'm super proud of that, yeah. but we did bloody well yeah, because yeah. everyone wanted to come, you know, the girls wanted to come and yeah. see the 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 you know whoever that star was on that yeah. whoever won Love Island and the boys wanted the tables to be next to the girls. So the model was perfect. Yeah. You know, I I built up the name of the king of clubs at that point. You yeah. know, because I you know everyone wanted to be uh, at Cafe de Paris. You know, we had incredible press. You know, everyone was it was it was hot. The Daily Mail loved that stuff. They yeah. still love it now. So you know, it was uh, you know if you buy a table at Cafe de Paris and you spend two thousand pounds, yeah. you're going to be on a table next to you know yeah. Sam Fairs or Billy Fairs or whoever it may yeah. be at that time. And that was week in week out. So we built that model there, and it really worked. Brilliant. Brilliant. And how did you did you work closely with the press to know that people were in your club? So when they come out of the club, they press are there, ready and waiting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, PR is something that um, it's I've always known is super important for running any business. And uh, at, at Cafe de Paris, we always will had a great relationship with the Daily Mail or, or photographers or whoever it may be, because you need to. You need to manage the press as much as anything. You know, some bad press can really kill you. Yeah. I think we had one event. We had one time where I actually wasn't there one evening at Cafe de Paris, and the uh, there was an incident. Let's say that, and um, it wasn't managed properly, and and it and it was it knocked on for about two or three months where we had we had a drop in bookings, but PR. Um, you need to sometimes feed them stories as yeah, well. You know yeah. what what the bottle spend was, and add a few zeros on that yeah, sometimes, yeah. and um, you know. Sometimes the celebrity would always be happy to play along. Sometimes they would get annoyed that you'd sort of 
that they're out with their friends and yeah. you've given away some of the secrets. So again, you just need to be careful how you play it and mm -hmm. who the celebrity is and how much information you mm -hmm. give out. But you know, you need they, you needed that PR. There's so much competition in Clubland um, at that time, so you needed to stand out from the crowd. Yeah, and again, you created a win-win situation. Mm -hmm. What about social media? Tell mm -hmm. me about social media, how that improved your world with the celebrities using tagging the club in or tagging you in, etc. Yeah, I mean, just going back to Nick House days, there were, as you said, Facebook was just starting. Yeah. So I remember doing what I remember doing our first events on Facebook. We went, yeah. You know, a Facebook group. event, yeah, group right. and stuff was so important. Yeah. Um, you know, adding all your mates on yeah. that. So that was great. Um, I mean, you must remember it, you know, the, the days of flyering and stuff, you know, oh, the, the flyer packs like outside clubs, egg and sort yeah. of turn mills and stuff like that. You know, when I was first getting into clubs, yeah. I remember picking, getting that, that flyer pack yeah. and thinking, what is this? And how much, you know, nobody does that anymore. And, yeah. and you know, I think some some parties should. Yeah. Um, but social media really changed the, the landscape for how people wanted to be in your club. Mm. You know, if they, they would always know on a Sunday night, They'd look on my social media and they'd see either me in the Daily Mail with mm. the so-and-so celebrity. Mm. Um, and they'd want to book them on the Monday morning. I need to be in that club. It's it's that whole sort of FOMO mentality, yeah. isn't it? You know, the fear of missing out. Yeah. And if you keep driving home, you know, celebrities in your club, drinking all the, you know, all the champagne and vodka that you can imagine. And you're giving it that to them for free, by the way. You yeah. know that. So so they're very rarely paying for it. So it's got it's a quid pro quo there. Mm. Um and yeah, you know, Instagram and Facebook just blew up with Clubland, and I think it's sort of it's it's definitely calmed down a little bit more now because yeah. celebrities can't really be seen in clubs as especially footballers now because yeah. we we haven't really seen reality stars in clubs because clubs haven't been open. Yeah. So you know, we're talking about uh, sort of a year ago now, mm. but when you look at the moment, when you look at abroad in Mykonos and and Ibiza and Dubai, they sort of got a bit of bad press yeah. of all the sort of clubbing they were doing uh, on social media. So, Harry Maguire got. Caught out, didn't he? Mykonos or whatever. Yeah, happened yeah. There, yeah. I mean, out with his friends and family, yeah. and it all kicked off. Yeah. And that was forgot. That's I forgot about that one actually. Yeah. But yeah, you know, they've got to be very careful now mm. of what they do on social media. So I think there's going to be a slight shift. But certainly, when Facebook and Instagram kicked off, being a club promoter or or a director of a nightclub at that time, you know, it was amazing. That was your marketing done. Yeah. Your customers would come in and share their experience, and your marketing was done. Yeah. And you know, you just see the the pound notes coming yeah. in and. You know, it's just fantastic. Yeah. I, I certainly think it's changed a little bit now, but mm. um, during that peak, it was it was amazing. It's interesting because I started promoting in 1999 mm. and in the club world to 2008 before social media. Okay, so, so you... ours was full on fly posting everywhere, yeah. flyering everywhere, word of mouth, time. It, it, that was old school promoting. M much more exciting though, I think. Oh God, it was exciting because yeah. it was the unknown. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, 2008 come along and Mark Zuckerberg landing Facebook on my lap. I was like, Jesus Christ. Well, I can press buttons from laying in bed or laying on my sofa yeah. now and building up groups of people yeah. and then getting banned from Facebook and set up another group and getting banned from Facebook. It was like a game. It was yeah. just a godsend, absolute godsend. And it's made it's made life so much easier mm. to be a promoter these days. Absolutely. And I think what happened, you're going back to your point there in 2008, everyone wanted to be a promoter. Yeah. Because you could press buttons if you had a thousand friends. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the loudest person on social media became a promoter then. And, yeah. uh, but it, it it it's also made a lot of people lazy. Yeah. You know, agree that they wasn't they wasn't looking at um, the quality of their crowd, and yeah. um, that's when clubs started having lots of trouble because you know also um, a, a social event shared to the wrong people can mm. cause problems, and that happened with many clubs in London. Yeah. Um, you, you saw violence with certain events that um, which meant they got shut down. So. You know, there's always that churn of nightclubs mm. um, and there will be some new ones popping up in the next sort of six months because yeah. of COVID, but also because new ideas are coming mm. out there. So, 
you know, long live, long live the game. Yeah, I'm going on a brilliant journey with you, by the way. Egg, Turn Mills, Cafe de Paris, Bougie. The, 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 these are all bringing back to me the places yeah. I used to go partying years ago. But Pasha in London was was my favourite club. I love Pasha. Pasha in London. Yeah, and, that, and that's when I, just going back to our early conversation, yeah. when I was, when I first got into DJing, remember when I first put Twisty Glam on and, and Posh Funk and um, there. Nice brands, nice brand names. Yeah. They, I mean, they were they were fluffy. They yeah. were they were tailored to the to the female market, yeah. obviously. And like yeah. I said, the girls would come, the bike, the guys would book the tables. It's ne- it's a, it's foolproof. Yeah. Anyone that's listening now, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's all you need to do. But um, now, obviously now, it's all about the the experience and the DJ and the entertainment that people are putting on. Yeah. And Pasha always did that well. I yeah. think they was one of the first people that just had had it right. You know, mm. you come in and it'd just be, you know, glitter box. Glitter or, box. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. my God. How good is that? Um, it's amazing, you know. And, and this, Have this, you been to the new high in Ibiza? Absolutely, it's been yeah. A couple of years now. I was at the opening, yeah. yeah. I was at the opening. That what was, a club. I mean, it's phenomenal. I preferred space, if I'm honest with you, but old school people will look back and go oh, space was much better than it was now but i can see what they've done creating this super club and on the island i think space was better I, I agree with you Same. i agree with you and uh, terrace on a sunday on the terrace on a sunday with the plane coming over the top and there's no, there, there was no there was no better feeling that was, was there? naughty wasn't it? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that feeling could be described yeah. in however you like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true keep that off the podcast for this one yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so then what so what was your journey then then so you you become a proper face in the in the nightclub world and the hospitality world. What was your next step from 2018 for you to say, right, I'm going to set up? Did you say, right, I'm going to set up by myself now? Or Well, I actually, that was the plan. That was the plan to set up on my own. But then I got poached by um, Alex Proud. Um, at, at, he had a venue around the corner called Proud Embankment, which is a, which was Café de Paris' biggest competitor. Okay, and what so, was that venue called? A Proud Embankment. Proud Embankment. Yeah. And so, what the capacity of that was? Uh, 1600 1600 yeah. in london wow yeah. and, and cafe was what a thousand it was a thousand yeah okay so two two big clubs in central london huge huge Massive. and they were direct competitors because they had the cabaret as well before the, the business model was exactly the same okay. so uh so i did a little bit of um i wouldn't say it was a dog move to move to the competitor but i, I also wanted to you know test it out and see something see, fresh something fresh i i had obviously booked up I'd obviously built up a huge black book of clients. Yeah. You know, I think it was around three point six million pound a year in event bookings that yeah. were that would come to me every year. Yeah. So I they also wanted something new as well. So, yeah. you know, I was led a little bit by them. I need something new, Liam. I don't want to leave you, but find me something new. Yeah. So I I went to you know, it just made sense at the time. So I stayed there for just under a year and I realized at that point I was sick and tired of making people millions of pounds. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to create my own business. Um, and Posh Cockney was born, and that's where we are right now. And Posh Cockney, I yeah. love that name. People, people now say they love it every time I meet them. At yeah. the start, it was a bit marmite. Well, it was, I think you were a bit, bit risky at the time. Yeah, Posh Cockney, but actually, it worked a treat. I think when they get to know me and they get to see the sort of stuff we do, yeah. and you know, it's a fun name and it's memorable. And I yeah. suppose we're all in marketing, really, aren't we? Anyone that owns a business, you know, you are a marketer because yeah. you need to sell it. Absolutely. Um, so people love it now. And, uh, you know, I think we've made a great name for ourselves. Mm. We were born in March 2019. It seems a long so time ago. Very embryonic still, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, wow. a year of that's been COVID. So, yeah. um, but like I said, COVID, we used it to our advantage, actually, um, as well as people could, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, the company brand, and the brand has grown, has evolved into one of the number one, uh, one of the top marketing and PR agencies now in London, which I'm very proud about. Wow, good for you, mate. 
Really good for you. It's a lovely journey you've been on. So tell me about Posh Cockney. What exactly do you do? So we're a multi-service agency. We specialize in marketing and PR, uh, events, luxury, concierge, and travel. Uh, we have Working on behalf of your clients. So yeah, so for example, just to, to talk about marketing and PR, for example, we 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 launch restaurants, clubs, and bars. Okay. Um, so we look after their, you know, their social media, their influencer marketing, any anything digital that you can see around a, a restaurant in yeah. London, for example. Um, you know, we we manage that on their behalf. We found a real niche at the moment, actually, with foreign brands that are very established in their own country coming to London to make create a become a new flagship. For example, for a foreign brand. Um, so you think of uh, uh, M Sharif that we're opening in Harrods. Um, and what's in, that? So it's a Lebanese restaurant. Okay. Um, so that's opening in Harrods in October. For example, Happy, which is opposite Cafe de Paris. We're talking about Cafe de Paris. Do you remember the old TGI's opposite? Yes, Cafe? I do. Yeah. So a brand, my client Happy actually bought that. And um, what did they pay on that? Do you know? I can't disclose okay, that you know. on, on this. Are we north, north of five mil? It's very, you know, that is prime real estate. The rent, the rent alone is, you know, we're talking one point eight million a year just on rent. Just the rent, yeah. It's a lot of burgers. Gee, to, to, to that's flip. a lot of flipping burgers, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Wow. So, but that is the so Happy is the biggest restaurant group in Bulgaria. Yeah. And uh, it's bigger than McDonald's in Bulgaria. So they've come to London, and you know they needed to have a so, strong. So foothold. what is Happy? So Happy is a um, it's a family restaurant. It's European food. Um, Happy is actually the biggest restaurant in group in Bulgaria. There's 28 sites there, and um, in London they opened in March last year. Obviously had a torrid time with COVID. I think we opened it in February, and uh, there was 2,000 people a day coming through the restaurant, mm. which was phenomenal. Queues around the block. They shut it down six weeks. Not shut it down. They had to close so, for six weeks after because of COVID. Back open now, fully running. But this is the sort of stuff we do. We bring brands from you know, Bosporus as well in Leicester Square. Uh, amazing in the middle east wanted to create a flagship in london so they come to posh Cotney because you know we are we're trusted we, we've, yeah. we've done this now we've opened we we had mark Wal you're gonna love this one we opened Wahlburgers last year in covent garden with mark Wahlberg. Brilliant. um you know <laughs> what's what, it called Wahlburgers? Wahlburgers, yeah <laughs> love it i mean uh, it's not there anymore actually <laughs> okay. uh, we we launched it uh stayed on for a year um five months later they shut down so your business model Tell me about your business model. Will okay. they come to you and say, we're going to pay you a monthly fee yep. to, to do our marketing for us? Yeah, so for example, say say you wanted to open a restaurant now. Uh, you had an idea, you had a concept. Um, you'd get in contact with us and say, look, this we'd have a sta stage one call with you and say, okay, what's the plan? What, what do you want to do? Um, we can even go as far as finding you the location, the, the site that you want with, due yeah. to your uh, specific needs. But we, we'd build your website, we'd build your social media, we'll build your brand ad identity packs. Um, would even recruit for you as well. Literally, the Posh Cockney is a is a beast of a model. One stop shop. Isn't yeah, it? you want if you've got a plan, you want to open anything—a restaurant, club, bar, you know, cafe, whatever it may be—and you've got an idea, bring it to us, and yeah. we can make it happen for you. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got over twelve thousand journalists uh, worldwide, um, over sixteen hundred food and food and drink influencers based in London. Um, is that right? So one thousand six hundred food and drink influencers, absolutely, who will then talk about your venue. Yeah, as long as they get free food and drink. You know, it's a contrast. They'll come in and have a, a meal for two, or, or whatever it may be, depending on each client. But yeah, they'll come in and, and sort of they'll be your marketing Brilliant. tool. You know, that, think of that as a marketing engine. You know, somebody's got one point two to three million uh, followers on Instagram, and they come in and and do a positive review for yeah. your business. You know, you haven't got to spend as much money on Google ads or, mm. you know, Facebook ads or whatever it may be. And, and that becomes then I, I actually, you know, we all, we don't 
throw all our eggs in one basket on influencers, but we do use it as sort of a, a key attack on any mm. new opening. Seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. Contra, food and drink, come and write about it, take some photos, off yeah. you go, what's your, what's come your, back next week. What's your food cost going to be? It's minimal, you know, dep- you know quid, unless you're quid, serving yeah. gold leaf or something like that, yeah. you know, it's not going to cost you a lot. And, you know, we we try and manage it and, you know, we, we, we arrange drop-in visits for journalists, etc. We make sure that we protect your brand yeah. and make sure that you are in the seen as in the right places and, you know, you have the right people come in. At the end of the day, go, it's, it goes back to the what we started talking about with, with Café de Paris and, and Nick Cowes. It's about body bums on seats, bringing yeah. people into that restaurant, yeah. making sure that it's busy as much as yeah. possible. So, you know, Posh Cotney, you know, we've we've become very strong in the marketing and PR side. I touched on the events, you know, we, we launched, we actually launched as Posh Cotney events. Yeah. That was how it was going to be. Because yeah. taking that black book from Proud and yeah. Café de Paris, I had the client base, let's go and do events now as an agency. Thank God we're not, we wasn't just event because yeah. I don't think we'd have lasted the the, the past year because yeah. you know we all know what happened there, um, and the and the recruitment and concierge stuff that's always been very good, but it's very international. We've got clients around mainly based in in LA and the Middle East that really take advantage of our concierge and travel, mm. and the recruitment seems to be a lot in the Middle East at the moment, Saudi Arabia, um, being a big place where there's mm. a lot of movement right now in hospitality. Mm. Um, and then finally, the the productions arm, which was the, the latest thing that was born during COVID. Um, I, you know, like you, I needed to make sure that we we were creative and we we kept you know out there and making sure that all the good work we done in our first year didn't go to waste. So we launched Posh Cotney TV. We launched the Posh Cotney podcast, which we spoke about. Yeah. Um, I, I think I remember you actually dropped me a message, didn't you, on Instagram? Uh, before you launched your podcast yeah. saying I, i've been listening to your podcast i really like it yeah. i'm thinking of doing it one myself right. so you know hats off to you and, and you've done such a great job with it as yeah, well and I, you know, i've been tracking it and you know these sorts of things kept me sane yeah. during the last year yeah. kept me motivated i got great people on the show posh Cotney tv you know going down that youtube market was was great for me and yeah. i loved talking to people and, yeah. and interviewing my peers and you know i i think the past year has been great for reconnecting, yeah. grounding myself, planning, and literally, you know, getting Posh Cotney ready for, you know, the next five years, which yeah. is going to be, you know, crucial for the, the, the life of the business. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I really like the brand. I think where you're going is unbelievable, especially with the events industry, the way it's going. Mm-hmm. Imagine my black book and your black book together. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, we should do it. We, I don't know if there's a there's a, enough people out there that could uh, write down all the names yeah. and, and actually track it. I mean, it's uh, you, you've certainly got a great name in, in, in the events world. And uh, I, I, I think what we've done, what I've done now is actually shorten my black book. Yeah. Um, we're, we're probably dealing with, um, you know, half a dozen key clients now instead of sort of 20, 30. And we're dealing with such bigger, much bigger events for us now. It's much more manageable. Yeah. Um, as I touched on earlier, it, it's been a Christmas is going to be busy. Yeah. Um, so as as we're speaking today, anyone listening, we're on the twentieth of July, twenty twenty one. Yeah. So Christmas is going to be really busy. Um, as lo- long as there's no other problems with with uh, COVID, etc. 
But uh, I think 2022, I think yeah. we were all really excited about that. Yeah, I think 22 is going to be crazy. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be it's going to be a year where everything's going to be fall into place for lots of people, and and you want to see it, don't you? Because yeah. you know you must have friends like me that have, have really really suffered for the last 18 months, mm. and they haven't had the same unfortunately the same innovations that we have mm. to sort of kick on. And you know, I th I think your your brand now is is stronger than ever. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, I, I think the Bournemouth Sevens brand is stronger than ever. Yeah. And obviously, the eventful entrepreneur has been going now for nine months, Dan, is it? Ten. T t ten months. That's blown up. Yeah. You know, and then obviously being co host of the Harry Redknapp show has all helped. And Absolutely. I've now joined Instagram nine months ago and I've made myself public. Yeah. I've always kept myself private for my time. And it's opened so many doors. I can't explain. Anyone out there, I would suggest you go and do a podcast if you want doors to be opened because it's a wonderful tool. It Absolutely, really is. and yeah. to have conversations like this, yeah, proper conversations with proper people who have had eventful lives. Yeah, well, it's funny. I feel like I've known you for many, many yeah, years, and, we, and like we said, we must have crossed paths. But you know, this is the first time we've actually sat down and spoke face yeah. to face. Even yeah. though we spoke on the phone, we spoke yeah. on Clubhouse. Yeah, you know, during that boom, and that's for another conversation, yeah. I suppose. But um, you know, because of social media, you get to know somebody so deeply yeah. without actually knowing them yeah. do you understand what i mean yeah. and a podcast just may, just pulls away all those layers and it yeah. manages it allows you to sort of just look in the other person's eyes and, and get to know them which absolutely i don't think enough people do anymore because well, their face is always down looking at their phones 100%. and that's what i've loved about podcasts yeah. like i've got my headphones on you got your headphones on yeah. i'm zoomed in we're having a conversation there for like 40 odd minutes yeah where do you get that you don't you don't do that with your best friends because you're flicking on your phone or you're talking about something else it's 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 really uh... I, I think my wife would like to have this attention yeah. <laughs> at one point this I think week they all do, <laughs> um i really appreciate you coming on and doing a guest uh, talk on our the event crowd which is a brand that we're launching in a few months time i'd love to know your thoughts what you think about this new business model of the online events course um, I think it's it's the right time uh, to do something like this. Um, you know, thanks for having me on it, by the mm. way. And, uh, you know, it's a pleasure doing it. I think um, th there's so many people that's going to want to know this knowledge that people, you know, I've seen the people that are on the, the course. And, uh, you know, what you've been able to do is to get all those experts together, you know, giving their, their advice, giving the, the knowledge that they've learned over however many years, for me, 15 years. Um, I think people like to have instant access to that you know i think doing a degree for four years i mean it's great to do but i think if i could just have spoken to you know the, the experts in a particular field and done it within a short space of time i would much prefer that route than wasting not wasting four years but you know much more time consuming yeah. um so i think online courses we all know how beneficial they can be if you get it right you get the right marketing um which i know you'll you will because everything you seem to touch at the moment turns mm -hmm. to gold so that's great um uh, i think you know it, it's on, on you we see online now anything you can do online if you can do a course in your own time it's it's perfect and, yeah. and there's people that want to learn more and more yeah. um brexit's really brexit has really hurt uh, our industry as you know uh, especially with staffing so i think people are looking to retrain or upskill yeah. and i think it's the right time to do something like this yeah i agree i i, I basically saw the opportunity is that there's a massive myth out there you've got to go and do an events management degree degree to get into the events industry i haven't got one no you don't need to <laughs> so i want to get rid of that myth and yeah. say to people look there's an opportunity here to get in the most exciting industry in the world which is the events industry yeah you can speed all this up you can do it in three months you get diplomas and certificates and when you're part of the event crowd you're part of our community yeah we'll open doors for you that will get um 
put your put your CV and put your, who, you in front of the right people. I think um, I'd, I'd love to see how we can we can get the hospitality titans um, involved in this in yeah. some way. You know, as you know, I'm the co-founder of that as well. We've got 25 of some of the biggest people in hospitality business owners um, in in based in London at the moment. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think we've got 580 members, so yeah. it's growing all the time. It's been going for six months. And, uh, you know, stuff like this, these sort of innovations, I think we'd love to do something with you. Definitely, definitely collaborate on that, 100%. And we brought 30 of the industry experts in from yeah. Glastonbury, from Reading Festival, from Chelsea to the Olympics. The Ma We're bringing the best people in that you're going to learn what you need to know from the best people who are doing it today. Yeah. Not from a lecturer reading from a book 30 years ago at university. And then after three years, you're leaving with £50,000 worth of debt around your yeah. neck to go and get a job for 18 or 20 grand, 21 grand straight away. You can do this at home, learning from the best. And that's why I'm so excited. I'm excited to give back to the next generation. Yeah. You know, our knowledge, your knowledge, all the people we brought in, their knowledge, yeah. to teach the next generation coming through what they need to know. I think real life stories are, are some of the best things you can learn. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, we're all talking about those and what, what we've, you know, what we've picked up on and what, we, what our top tips would, would be. I think, um, one of my one of my biggest tips to anyone in who wants to get into hospitality or events is actually once COVID's over, is travel the world and pick up, you know, ideas. be a sponge and, yeah. and get ideas, learn trends, um, you know, just try and stay ahead of the game. You yeah. know, don't don't stay still. You yeah. know, if you want to just if you want to just work in a bar in in the country, that's fine. Yeah. But if you've got real dreams and passion for this industry, especially the events industry, get out there, learn. And you know, reach out to people like yeah. us on social media yeah. and LinkedIn because we're always, you know, giving and we're, yeah. and we're happily to talk to anyone. You yeah. know, so if you want ever wanted to reach out to me on my LinkedIn, yeah. you can do that. Um, an email, you know, I think COVID has taught us that we we should we should share, yeah. and it's a great time for people to share. Agree. And if anyone wants to break into something, they should be given a little bit of a leg up now because agree. you know we all need it and we all should work together. Agree, totally agree. Share and collaborate. Yeah. And anyone out there, I reply to everyone. Do you? Instagram comes through. Yeah, I want to help. Yeah. If you've got questions, ping it through to me. I've got yeah. a question. I'll help. I'll end up picking up the phone to you. It's not a problem. Yeah. I've got you know, I, I want to give I've got time to give the next mm -hmm. generation coming through. Liam, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this chat. No, it's good. Thank you for coming down into the studio down here in Bournemouth. And um I'm looking forward to seeing your journey moving forward. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And um yeah, best of luck with everything and uh, can't wait to see you again. Cool. You're a good man. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Liam. Take care, mate. Bye.